0: Good morning church Good morning if you'll stand with me today we're going to read this morning from Acts chapter 17 verses 10 through 15 the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea and when they arrived they went into the Jewish synagogue now these Jews were more noble than those at Thessalonica they received the word with all eagerness examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so many of them therefore believed with not a few greek women of high standing as well as men but when the jews from thessalonica learned that the word of god was proclaimed by paul at berea also they came there too agitating stirring up the crowds then the brothers immediately sent paul off on his way to the sea but silas and timothy remained there those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and receiving after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed also. This morning, this is the word of the Lord for us. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Johnny. Good morning, everyone. Uh, as we uh, get started this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are indeed the God who is there. And not only are you there, but you're not silent, but have spoken to us. Thank you for giving us your word. Father, we pray that as we look into your word, that like the Brians, we will see Jesus there. We pray this in the name of our matchless Savior, Jesus. Amen. Last summer, my niece came to visit us. Uh, she told me that she was going to be looking for a new church. Her old church had a new mission statement. Well, at that point, I was all ears. I said, "Well, what kind of a church do they want to be?" Well, she explained, they decided that they wanted to be more seeker-friendly. That they wanted to be more relevant. They were starting each service with a secular song to set a particular mood, to to have a specific emotional response. And the, the actual mission statement was not based on the word of God, but it was based on a poem. And the gist of the poem was that you didn't want to be so into God that you couldn't relate to the world. Now that's quite different than the Great Commission, which is the mission of the church. And it's quite a contrast to the Great Commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. No doubt they were trying to fulfill the second greatest commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself, but that's an outflow of the greatest commandment. So as we talk about this morning, uh, our new mission and vision statement, we'll, we'll continue our sermon series. And these are patterned after the Great Commission. We see that it instructs us to be a church which goes, gathers, and teaches Now we've already talked about being a going church and we're talking now about how to be a gathering church for the teaching portion beginning around May 21st we'll see how the Apostles taught the church as we teach through the book of Galatians as we work to internalize our new mission and vision statements I can't help though but reflect on my question what kind of a church do we want to be? Now, An even better question is, what kind of a church does God want us to be? Is God calling us to go deeper with Him? Is He wanting us to, to be growing in love and holiness, to be a church which carries out the Great Commission? If that's so, then we know, need to understand that to be a church like that, we must be fueled with sound doctrine. In order to proclaim the good news of Christ, we must understand from Scripture what God has done for us in Christ. Is God calling us to go deeper? I think so. If that's true, then we need to understand that emotions are really good things. But if our focus is on creating a specific emotional experience it flips the object of the gathering from god to us it's in sound doctrine that we lose ourselves to the awe of the god who saves us where we understand that the one who has called us to himself has uh, sanctifies us by his word a healthy church is characterized by sound doctrine. A healthy church listens with discernment. A healthy church is like the Bereans that we see in our passage today. They are commended by Luke. They're held up to us as an example. Sound doctrine is the responsibility of the church, of all the members. Now, you may say, isn't guarding against false doctrine A responsibility of the elders I mean after all Paul charged the Ephesian elders with safeguarding the flock which would have included watching for false doctrine and one of the qualifications for elder is being able to give instruction in sound doctrine and refuting false doctrine Titus 1 9 says he the elder must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught So that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So it is true that elders are responsible for sound doctrine, but the ultimate responsibility rests with the congregation. When Paul wrote about false doctrine at Corinth, at Colossae, at Thessalonica, he didn't write to the elders He wrote to the church. When the churches of Galatia strayed from the gospel, Paul took the members, not the elders, to task. Because it's with the congregation that we have the ultimate responsibility for affirming, expecting, and supporting faithful teaching. According to 1 Timothy 5.17, we're to give double honor to those who do it well. Our responsibility as a congregation is to listen with discernment. Paul puts it negatively in 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. It says that we're to not be like those with itching ears who accumulate to themselves teachers to suit their own passions. So today we're going to learn four principles from the Bereans that will help us to be a church that listens with discernment. First, we must listen with noble open-mindedness. Second, we must be eager for truth. Third, we must listen uh, with diligence to confirm. And fourth, the church which listens with discernment hears with faith. Our text picks up with the story of Paul on his second missionary journey. The Jews in Thessalonica were jealous of the success of Paul and Silas. People were coming to the Lord, both Jews and Gentiles. So the Jews stirred up a mob. Verse 10, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. So because of the mob, the brothers and sisters in Christ send Paul and Silas to the next town to Berea. The reception at Berea is different. Verse 11. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So the first thing we see about the church that listens with discernment is that it listens with noble open-mindedness. Now, noble can mean a couple of different things. It can mean aristocratic, belonging to a heredity class, you know, something that's inherited. Or it can also mean showing fine personal qualities, having high moral principles. And that's what it means here in this passage. Luke commends the Bereans for being noble. And by that, he's encouraging all of us to do that as well. They're called noble for their discernment. They listened with an open mind and examined scripture to discern whether what Paul was saying was true. During the Cold War, President Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev signed a treaty that eliminated all medium-range nuclear forces from Europe. Now the U.S pushed for and got in that treaty an extensive monitoring process on both sides to ensure compliance with the treaty so after signing the treaty Reagan looked at Gorbachev and he quoted a Russian proverb he said trust but verify so as we listen to sermons with discernment we need to trust but verify. Like the Bereans, we need to examine scripture to see if those things are so. So let's get real practical, though. What do you do if you hear something from an elder that isn't scriptural? So I'm not talking about style, personality, eloquence, or the lack thereof, but something that doesn't square with scripture. I would encourage you to do two things. First, don't stop listening. Now, that's something I don't do well because I'm usually either thinking about a rebuttal or I've just kind of switched off. But keep listening. Suspend judgment just for a little while until you hear them out. But what if you keep listening and you're pretty sure that what you're hearing isn't squaring with scripture? That's when you do the second thing. It's really what we are all directed to do in Matthew 18. If a brother sins against you, the first step is to go to that brother and that brother alone. Now, that means you don't talk to everyone else. It means you don't post it on social media, but you simply go to that brother and talk. I heard you say this. Is that correct? How does that agree with such and such scripture? Just start with questions. Seek to understand. Be a Berean. I'm also thankful for my fellow elders here at Remedy. I have no doubt that if I said something in a sermon that wasn't scriptural, I would hear about it right away. Praise God for that. And I also have no doubt that I would hear from other members of the congregation as you listen with discernment. I know I speak for all the elders when I say that we welcome discussion about sermons. Whether it's questions or challenges, encouragement or complaints, we would love to talk more. A church that listens with discernment listens with noble open-mindedness. The second thing we can learn from the Bereans is that a church that listens with open-mindedness, with discernment, is eager for the truth. Verse 11 says, the Bereans received the word with all eagerness. Now the Greek word for eagerness there is prothomia. It's sometimes translated as readiness. So it means they were paying attention. They were active listeners. They were ready. They were eager for the truth. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to visit treasure seekers. So how many of you kids remember when I came to treasure seekers? Raise your hands. All right. So parents, I want you to know that the the children had an opportunity to ask questions. They asked about um, uh, sermon points. They asked about the meaning of words that they didn't understand. The children had taken notes. They were uh, asking great questions. They were active listeners. They were eager for the truth. Eagerness for the truth is what set the Bereans apart. Notice that when Paul went to a new city, he would often first go to the synagogue of the Jews. When Paul went to Thessalonica, Acts 17, 1 and 2 says, There was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul went in, as was his custom. Some may say that it didn't end well for Paul in Thessalonica, right? He had to leave town under cover of darkness. You might say that it was a failed strategy. But what does Paul do when he gets to Berea? Verse 10, when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Paul, what are are you doing? You just did that, and it didn't end well. Notice that Paul used exactly the same method as he did at Thessalonica. But the response to the Word of God was different in Berea. Paul didn't change his strategy. The difference was with the listeners. The Jews at Thessalonica couldn't see past their prejudices. They were jealous of the Gentiles coming to faith in God. They were jealous of the success of Paul's preaching. They were happy with their synagogue just the way it was. But the Bereans received the word with all eagerness for the truth. The truth trumped all else. It was more important than their prejudices or their way of life. That really begs the question, how do we receive the word of God? Does the word of God trump our preconceived notions? What happens to our eagerness if the word of God changes the way we do church? An even more difficult question, what if it exposes sin in our lives? To be like the Bereans We must desire truth above our comfort. We must be eager for truth. Next, we see the Bereans were not only eager for truth, but they were diligent to confirm. Our text says they were examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Now, if you go to scripture, what are you going to find? You're going to find Jesus there. Paul was preaching Jesus from the Old Testament. The entirety of scripture points to him. Uh, If you remember on the, the road to Emmaus, Jesus was walking with two of his disciples after his resurrection. Luke 24, 27 says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, which is a way of saying all the Old Testament, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, The things concerning himself perhaps Paul reminded the Bereans of the promise in the Garden of Eden that the offspring of woman would crush the serpent's head or maybe he talked about the how through Abraham all the families of the earth would be blessed maybe he talked about Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his only son Isaac And how, as they took a three-day journey into the wilderness, Isaac said, well, here's the wood and the fire. Where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb. Perhaps they talked about Jacob's ladder, which provided a way between heaven and earth, or the bronze serpent that Moses lifted up in the wilderness, and all who looked on it were saved, or how Jesus is our perfect Passover lamb, or any of the hundreds of Old Testament prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. The Bereans went to those Old Testament passages and they examined them to see that they were so. Paul's companions at Berea were Silas and Timothy. Paul later writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be uh, uh, complete, equipped for every good work. Scripture is breathed out by God. It means it's inspired. It's true. It trains us in righteousness. It's sufficient for the Christian life. Now much later in history the reformers would talk about the five solas Sola is the latin word for alone the five solas are scripture alone christ alone faith alone grace alone glory to god alone the five solas distinguished the theology of the reformation from the theology of the roman catholic church in the 16th century sola scriptura is the belief that because Scripture is God's inspired Word, it is the only inerrant, sufficient, and final authority for the church. Wayne Grudem says the major teachings teachings about the Bible about itself can be classified into four characteristics and I love how all four of these characteristics can be seen in our passage today. They are the authority of Scripture, the clarity of scripture, the necessity of scripture, and the sufficiency of scripture. First is authority. Scripture is God's word. Grudem says, to disbelieve or disobey scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God. God's word is the ultimate standard of truth. In John 17, Jesus prays to the Father, sanctify them in truth, Your word is truth. Not only is the Bible true, but it's the final standard of truth. The Bible is the reference point by which we measure truth. The Bereans went to scripture because it was their source of authority. Second is clarity. The clarity of scripture means that the Bible is written in such a way that it can be understood. Not just by scholars but by ordinary Christians now I'm not saying it's always easy so sometimes it really requires time and effort it requires teachers faith the help of the Holy Spirit but the Bible can be understood the Bereans believed this otherwise they they wouldn't have examined scripture if they didn't think it was understandable third is necessity The necessity of scripture means that the Bible is necessary for knowing the gospel. Now, if you remember in in Romans 1, it says that we can understand something about the law through creation, through what is made, through nature, so that man is without excuse. But only through scripture can we know the gospel. The Brians knew that to learn about the Messiah, they had to go to Scripture. A number of years ago, I had a friend who is a missionary, and he, he used to say this. It's burned into my mind that we know nothing about the gospel apart from Scripture. So to Scripture, we must go. Fourth is Sufficiency. Grudem says, the sufficiency of scripture means that scripture contains all the words of God we need for salvation, for trusting him perfectly, and for obeying him perfectly. So how did the Brians discern? Scriptura sola. They went to scripture and scripture alone. Not scripture plus the teaching of the Pharisees, because scripture alone is sufficient. Let's talk about application. If scripture is indeed authoritative, clear, necessary, and sufficient, why wouldn't we be like the Bereans? It says, they examine scriptures daily. How can we not be in the word of God every day? You may say, I want to be able to discern like the Bereans. I want to be able to identify false doctrine when I see it then examine the scriptures daily to see if what you're hearing is truth be in the word know the book notice from our text that this wasn't merely an academic exercise for the Bereans they understood that if the truth claims of Christianity are true then it requires a response we see that in verse 12. Many of them therefore believed. When they saw these things were so, they responded with faith. That's our final point. A church that listens with discernment, hears with faith. Now, I'm sure Paul taught the Breans the facts about the gospel. That we all fall short of God's standard. That we've all sinned that the penalty for our sin is death and that Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sin on the cross that he rose from the dead that he's alive today but it's not enough to just know the facts of the gospel in order to be saved I must go beyond mere intellectual assent I must depend on Jesus to save me i must trust him to do for me what i cannot do for myself and in doing this i move from being an observer to someone who has a relationship with jesus christ jesus says in matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's Jesus' invitation to us. Do you hear how personal that is? Do you hear the heart of Jesus? Believing in Jesus is not like believing that the earth revolves around the sun. I can believe that fact to be true with no personal commitment or dependence upon it. Rather, believing in Jesus is understanding that he's a living person and that I need to trust in him for salvation. Hebrews 7.25 says, He, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Many Bereans responded to hearing the gospel with faith. Hearing with faith is necessary to become a Christian, but it's also necessary throughout the Christian life. It's letting God's Word transform us by the renewing of our minds, Romans 12.2. It's letting God's Word sanctify us through His Word, it's being shaped by God's Word rather than by the society around us. So believer, have you been hearing the Word of God but haven't responded with faith? Have you been reading the Word of God but haven't translated what is academic into your life? In the book of Galatians, Paul reminds the church that they were saved by works of the law, not saved by works of the law. They were not saved by efforts of the flesh, but by hearing with faith. He then asks, having begun by the Spirit, are you now perfected in the flesh? So did you come to Christ one way, only to live the Christian life another way in in legalism? Paul answers in Galatians 3.5, that we're to live the Christian life in exactly the same way we began it, by hearing with faith, by casting ourselves upon Christ in utter dependence upon him. We started out our time this morning talking about my niece's old church and the question, what kind of a church do they want to be? We, from our text this morning, I think we can see the kind of church that God wants us to be. As we gather, God calls us to be a church that listens with discernment. That means that we need to be like the Bereans. We need to listen with noble open-mindedness. We need to trust but verify. Because it's all of us as members which are ultimately responsible sound doctrine. We're to be eager for the truth, like the children and treasure seekers, like the Bereans who valued the truth above their own prejudices or comfort. We talked about how God calls us to be a church that is diligent to confirm. The Bereans went to scripture to confirm what they heard because scripture is authoritative, clear necessary and sufficient they knew the Word of God because they examined the scriptures daily and what did the they find as they went to scripture they found Jesus because all of scripture points to him and many responded to what they heard with faith moving beyond mere intellectual assent regarding the facts of the gospel they put their trust in Jesus. By God's grace, may we be like the Bereans. Let's pray. Father, that is our prayer this morning, that uh, you would give us uh, ears to hear, eyes to see, and that, Father, we would uh, seek you in your word through through your Holy Spirit, that you would uh, reveal your truth to us. Father, help us to Um, be not just hearers of the word, but those that do your word. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.